So today we're talking about obedience. You know, we've got the scoreboard up here. There you can see our topics. They're all gathered around John 3.16 on the scoreboard. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to answer God's call and be obedient. One of the greatest calls to action that required incredible obedience over years and years and years was the call to Noah. You've probably heard about Noah. You probably saw the movie. By the way, it's not biblical, but it was entertaining, right? But as we know, in the story of Noah, humanity, as humanity does, had sunk to its lowest levels, and the earth was a terrible place to live. Uh, Imagine the world without the influence of the Holy Spirit. Like, we have the Holy Spirit, right? He's an incredible influence upon the world. Imagine the world without the Holy Spirit. That's what this world was, how dark it was. And what came out of this darkness was incredible violence. And we see some of that today around the world. But at that time, that was it. It was violence. And there was only one man of all the people of the earth who was good. Do you know what his name was? Noah. Yes, Noah. Think about that. Out of all all the people of the world, one man is righteous in God's eyes. So let's read a little bit of the story. We're going to jump into this obedience factor today. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let me pause for a second. It's significant, this line that says he walked in close fellowship with God. And I want you to know that close fellowship precedes obedience. And so it's important that we understand that today. You know, God spoke to Noah, but Noah took time to listen to him. That's how he heard God. And personally, I think that God is speaking all the time. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me all the time. And the question is, do we take time to listen to what God is saying? Are we in close fellowship with him? You have to be near God to hear God. Take that home with you today. That's the best thing you're going to hear. You have to be near God to hear God. Who knows what you might get to do for God if you hear him. Reading on verse 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. And God observed all this corruption in the world. For everyone on earth was corrupt. Can you imagine how God felt about that? His creation, people made in his image, given way to corruption. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they've filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. So God has this conversation with Noah, and he shares his heart with Noah, and he tells Noah his plans. And Noah was able to hear him. Why? Because he was in close fellowship with God. Verse 14. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening. You know what that was for, right? All the... Smelly animals, gas and stuff. Otherwise, that'd be a floating bomb right there. That's what that would be. (laughs) Put the door on the side. Build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. 
Look, God says, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you, Noah. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. I want you to notice that Noah was a life raft for his family. They got on the boat because Noah was righteous. And so God allowed him to bring his family. Make a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground. (laughs) How many of you would love to ride in that boat? Not really. Rats and mice and possums. Oh. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. So Noah, and here's the key, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. That's number one in your notes today as we talk about obedience. Number one, Noah obeyed God completely and he saved humanity. Now let's just talk about this for a few minutes. God blesses complete obedience. I believe that with all my heart. And Noah's obedience flowed from his close fellowship or his relationship with God. He was able to hear the Lord because he spent time listening to him. And he was the only human on the planet who did this. And sometimes I wonder what we miss out on doing for the Lord. What blessing do we miss simply because we're too busy to hear it? We're too slammed. We're too stressed. We just don't have time to take the time to be near and hear what God has to say to us. So we miss out. And, you know, I think about this, and I think God could have destroyed everybody. He could have destroyed Noah. Just take him to heaven, right? And he could have said, let's start over. Let's just do creation again. But in this story, you get to see another characteristic of God, that he's not just creator, but he's redeemer. He is redeemer. And if there's one thing I've learned about God is that he loves to take what's broken, what's wounded, what's hurt, what's disappointed, and he loves to work in those hard areas of our life, what's ruined and wrecked, and he loves to give it another chance. And that's what God did with humanity. He could have started over again, but he gave humanity another chance, and he did it through Noah. And he does that with us. How many of you have been broken? Let me see. Come on, how many of you have been broken? It's something to be proud of in the sense that Jesus has healed us or is healing us of our brokenness. It's a beautiful thing and he loves to do it. Jesus brings beauty out of ashes of our life. If you've experienced ashes in your life, just know that God is delighted to bring beauty out of our lives, out of the ashes that we've experienced in our lives and then use us for his glory. And that's what he did with Noah. God chose to redeem Noah and his family instead of just starting over because of Noah's obedience. That's what triggered God being able to start over with Noah. You see, obedience invites redemption into our lives. If we're disobedient, we're probably not going to give God the chance to do what he wants to do, to use the hard things for his glory. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to use the hard things of our life for his glory. How many of you know it was probably hard for Noah to build a boat that big, right? 450 feet long. It took, uh, answers in Genesis say that it took up to 40 years for Noah and his sons to build this boat. It's a good thing people were living for a long time, right? It took a long time to build the boat. 
And there were probably people mocking him, ridiculing him, saying, what the heck do you think you're doing? It's never rained. Why are you building a boat? Why does it have a roof? It doesn't rain here. But Noah stood strong. He stayed obedient, and he built the boat. And I, I want to just say that, that we have that same opportunity today. You may not build a 450-foot-long boat, but you have an opportunity to listen to the Lord and be obedient to what God tells you to do. It can be the little things. It can be coming out of a pattern of sin in your life. You know, it can be uh, getting involved with a ministry or going on a mission trip. There's a lot of things that you can do that are obedient to God. We have that opportunity today. And our culture today, the same as in Noah's time, ridicules us for staying true to God's word. And they say, like in Noah's time, how could you believe that's what God said? How could you believe that's what God would do? And we hear the same thing today in our culture for staying true to God's word. But God himself stays true to his word. God stays true to his word. God said to Noah, I'm going to give you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. You know, Genesis 2 tells us that until this time, the water was, or the earth was watered by springs. It says the water came up from beneath the earth to water it. This, as far as we know, was the first time it had rained. And so the first time for a rainbow. Have you thought about that? First time for rain, first time for rainbow. This first rain destroyed the earth. And so God says, every time a rainbow comes, it's my reminder to you that I will never again destroy the earth with water. What a beautiful promise that is. So Noah obeyed God's word and he saved humanity. And that brings us to number two. Jesus, like Noah and like the ark, humbled himself in obedience And he saved the entire world. Noah saved a few people and perpetuated the human race. Jesus saved all people for all time who would ever receive his grace into their lives. Jesus humbled himself in obedience. Let's talk about that word humility for a second. I personally believe that obedience always involves humility. It always involves humility. Because obedience places God's will above my will, like Jesus in the garden, right? Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And so obedience involves humility because it places his plans above my plan. We have plans for our lives. And sometimes God interrupts our plans. God has done that to me numerous occasions. I'm here because of an interruption in my plans, That God had another plan for me. And it's trusting God with his plans to be obedient and to do what he wants, even at risk of personal loss or persecution. That's what Noah faced, and that's what God wants us to face, and that's what Jesus faced to the death. And God wants us humble in obedience as well. Philippians 2.5 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. 
He took the humble position. There it is. The humble position of a slave. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Think about being almighty God and being enslaved to a human body. Omnipresent, uh, omniscient, you know, all powerful. Just think about that. And then being tethered by this lump of flesh that, by the way, you designed. Right? Now you're enslaved to this human body. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Jesus, because of his humble obedience, now carries the name above all other names. God elevated him because of his obedience. And I want you to know, God will elevate you because of your obedience. You may think that you're letting something go or giving something up, but I tell you what God has for you is so much better. Maybe not in the world's eyes, but in his eyes. So much better than anything you could ever imagine. And that's what he did for Jesus. So obedience is the hard road. Uh, You know, no kidding there, right? It's the hard road, but it brings the best rewards. Jesus' obedience saved the world. And, And you can think about it like this. Jesus became the ark. You know, God had Noah build an ark that carried just a few people and animals, a bunch of animals, to safety so that they could restock the world, right? But Jesus became the ark that would carry anyone who will to eternal life, to the recreation of the world, you know, to the the new heavens and the new earth. That's what Jesus did for, for us. But it took tremendous humility for the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to give up his glorious position and become a humble slave. But that is what Jesus did to save the world. Humble obedience. And we partner with him to do our part to help save the people that are in our community or in our family. And that's number three for you today in your notes. We wholeheartedly commit to obey Jesus to help save our community. You know, we just finished two weeks of kids camp. And again, I want to thank you. You're going to see a recap next week. But I want to thank you, all 193 volunteers, I think, that were a part of two weeks of kids camp. And uh, like just under 500 kids came over the last two weeks. And 29 kids received Christ for the first time in their hearts during kids camp the last two weeks. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Some people gave up weeks of vacation to volunteer. There's one of our guys, Patrick. He's a firefighter. He came for two weeks in a row to be a a guy leader for us with a bunch of little kids. Just awesome. A bunch of people gave up a bunch of their own time to be there. And I know we can't all do that. I know we have jobs. I I get that. I understand. There's, there's, There's no guilt I promise you, that's not why I say that. I say that to praise the Lord for, for the reward that came because of the obedience of serving. How, how can you put a value on 29 little hearts that received the love of Jesus? There's, there's no value you can place on that. It's eternal. I don't care who you are. I don't care how important you are. That's the best reward you can ever imagine in all of life is you having a part of somebody coming to Christ. 
That's the best there is because that's eternal. That's eternal, right? So at Kids Camp this year, every day we featured a local all-star. I told you this a couple weeks ago. And on Tuesday, we had Husky and NFL football player Jake Locker. Any Huskies in the house today? Yeah, that's good. Okay, quiet. Um, (laughs) And Jake, NFL quarterback, took three hours on Tuesday morning, two weeks in a row, and played field games with a bunch of little kids and loved it. He was not too important to come. Doesn't even go to our church was not too important to come and spend the morning with a bunch of kids. And we got to interview him just for the camp. And then he got up on the stage. I'll show you a little fun clip of that. Uh, And he had a few things to say about obedience and about how playing the game of football shaped his life. So let's just listen to somebody that we dearly love here at North County. And that's Jake Locker. Hey there, guys. I'm Jake Locker. I was fortunate enough to play football uh, for five years at the University of Washington and four years uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Titans looking to tie this one up from the gun. Locker trying to do it himself. Bounces to the outside. Now we're going to dive into a little bit of uh, how obedience has played a role in my life and uh, the value that I found in it as uh, I've desired to, to walk with Jesus. The best way I could describe it is, is obedience uh, fulfills itself best in my life uh, when it's not my focus, uh, when my focus is uh, to authentically know and to love Christ. Um, and out of that, he, he tells us and he guarantees us um, that he is filling us with his spirit and uh, uh, he is allowing us uh, to, to see the, the world in the way he does, uh, to care about the things that he does. Um, and in that, uh, it allows us to keep the commandments that he's given us. So I'm so thankful to, to sport in general in my life. Um, it, it, it's the lens through which I've uh, helped me to understand life. Um, uh, having the opportunity to function, I always played a team sport. So um, it, it it was always this focus on uh, the greater good of the whole, um, not the individual. Wrapped up in that is sacrifice, um, is commitment, is at times suffering, um, uh, great joy, uh, but great joy that's always shared. Um, and, and I think these, as I, as I think about the value of that, um, through sport I, I got to, to have this firsthand experience of of what God really calls us to in the church. And it's this, it's this team. It's this team. Um, it's not a bunch of individuals that are doing their own thing. Um, that'll never work. Um, it's a team that says, Hey, um, I'm the hand, you're the foot. Um, I'm the arm and you're the leg. And together we make one beautiful body and we all serve a different role. That's the beauty of, uh, what Jesus is inviting us to. And, and I think, Sport helped me to realize that. Sport helped me to recognize that, and not only to recognize it, but forced me to function in it. So at times when I wanted to be selfish and I wanted to make it about me, it corrected me because you, you wouldn't ultimately be successful doing it that way. Um, you weren't going to find the success that you, that you sought as an individual um, if, you, if you sought to do it as your own. I look at sport and go, man, there, there wasn't anything else in my life that helped me to understand those things to that extent. And that's where the value of it is found. Um, you know, I think we get infatuated, uh, and I do too. Um, I fall into this too. I can make an idol out of sport at times. And, and it's because of uh, the things of this world. It's because of fame and money and 
um, and greed and the things that that uh, the devil wants us to believe are are worthy and they're not. That's really a big part of my story. Is uh, I chased the dream to I wanted to play professional sports since I was uh, since I could walk since I can remember. But I can tell you that uh, it was it was in the fulfillment of that dream that my desire to pursue Christ and what he had to offer became real because I realized that it wasn't what I was looking for. It wasn't ultimately what would fulfill and sustain me. And I thought it was. So often our, our testimony is wrapped up around kind of when you find yourself at that low point and Jesus meets you there. And uh, for me, I wasn't, it wasn't at this low point in my life. Um, it was at the fulfillment of what I thought was everything I had worked my life for. I was in the NFL, making a lot of money. A lot of people knew my name. I had an awesome wife. We were going to have our first child. It was like, you know, I had it. I had everything figured out. I was doing life the right way. Um, and yet I just felt like um, there was this void that none of that was filling. That's when Jesus met me. And so I think that uh, um, no matter where we are and what we're doing, I think the, the if I look at um, sport in entirety for me, man, I got I, I found Jesus through the lens of sport. He met me, um, and he you know allowed me to pursue um, my desires and my dreams, and was there when uh, they weren't sufficient. As my loving relationship with Him grew, uh, my desire to uh, fulfill what He had laid before me um, grew alongside of it. Let's thank Jake for sharing. I wanted you to see a couple of clips. Evan, do you have those clips up there? Yeah, here we go. This is Jake at Kids Camp this week. Now, I want you to know that's a miracle of God right there, that he has a linen jersey on. great I just love that what a great story you know really um, there's an article of Jake in Sports Illustrated from a couple of years ago I think and if you haven't read it it's really worth reading and it's about why he left the NFL you can google the article you know Jake was still young he was still viable uh, he had had an injury but there was no reason not to recover he had several more more years ahead of him playing in the NFL and, um, you know, really the dream of millions of kids. I was at RazFest this weekend, and I can tell you that every little kid there wants to play prof- professional something, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, or football. And Jake walked away, left millions of dollars on the table. Uh, and as far as I know, that's the first time a healthy quarterback's walked away from the NFL. I don't know of anybody else that's done that. And he would have continued to make millions even as a, ma- even as a backup quarterback. So why did he leave? Why did he leave? And so I pulled Jake aside after the camp on Tuesday, and we stood out there on the sidewalk and chatted about that. And I said, Jake, I've got to know. I read the Sports Illustrated article, and it's not super clear about this part of it. And I need to ask you, 
Did God speak to you? Like, did you leave the NFL because of the Lord speaking to you out of obedience? And he said, absolutely. That's the word he used. Absolutely. And God called me out. He said, I, I left because of a lot of soul searching and seeking God. And I realized that for me, and again, Jake wanted to be clear because he knew I was going to share this. Jake wanted to be clear that he loves football, loves the game, loves the other guys that play, you know, and so it's not about other people. This is Jake, right? This is what God spoke to him. He said, I realized that football had become the priority of my life. I realized that my family and, and I were living in the shadow of this game. And he said, maybe some guys can pull it off and do both well. He said, but, but I couldn't. And so he said, I chose my family and I chose, you know, what I believe was the call of God on my life. And, and God is now walking that out with me, what that looks like on this side of football. So he said, for, for myself, I needed to make a choice. And he said, I chose to make my family the priority to be obedient to what I believed I had heard from Jesus. And I guess that's the point this morning. And that's why I share his story with you, that obedience sometimes requires huge costs from us. But when you hear God speak and you recognize his voice because you're in close relationship with him, sometimes he'll call you to leave the things that the world says you're crazy to leave. And that's just what obedience looks like. It's like Jesus leaving heaven to come here, right? Sometimes obedience requires us to do what can be the hard thing and to lay some things down so that we can achieve the higher purposes of Christ in our life. Jesus said in John 14, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And of course, he was talking about, you know, the commandments to love God and love others. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So Jake, in his story, has committed to obey Christ and to help save his community, to enter into his community. That involves his family, but also Ferndale and obviously North County Christ the King Kids Camp and wherever else God calls him. And he lives a simple life now. He lives on the old family farm that he remodeled and he's a part of this organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is touching young ball players and student athletes all over Whatcom County. There are kids being discipled like crazy through this ministry of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And Jake's helping disciple hundreds of kids in Whatcom County and doing things like being a presence here at North County for Kids Camp. You know, his parents also have jumped on board. They're championing Be the One at Ferndale Schools. And so it's just awesome to see what God is doing that probably wouldn't have been accomplished had he stayed in the NFL, that God is doing in Jake's life. And again, the world may say, that was a bad trade. I would say if you're impacting people for eternity, it's a great trade. It's a great trade. And so that's what he's doing with his life. Again, Jake said this to me, make it crystal clear. He's not suggesting anyone quits their jobs. Or that everyone should quit their jobs. We can be effective on the job, right? That can be our community. It should be. But what he's saying is this. Be in fellowship with God. Be in position to hear his voice and to obey what he says and listen to what he has to say to you. So if Jesus is the ark, then I want you to think of yourself as the life raft. You're the life raft that helps 
rescue people in the community you're in and bring them to the ark of Jesus and get them onto the ark. And I believe that God wants to use every single one of us as the life raft that we can literally pull drowning people out of the water onto the raft and lead them to Christ and then help and then bring them to the ark of Jesus and let them live the rest of their life in safety with him knowing that their eternity is safe as well. You know, because of your fellowship with God, you're the one that gets to help people on the raft. So I'm asking you this, to be thinking about what that could look like for you. How can your raft help people get to the ark? What What is your, your body of water that you're in? And by the way, think about what ark is it that you're getting people to currently? Is it the right ark? Is it the ark of Jesus or is it a different ark? And I want to just take a moment and give a word to parents this morning. A lot of parents in the house with young children. So I want to say to you, parents, that you are the life raft. You are the torch bearer. You are the, the faith carrier for your children. You are the one that leads them into this close fellowship with Jesus Christ. They may be too young to do it for themselves. You have to continue to lead them. You have to set the tone in your home. You're the ones that disciple your children. The church just comes alongside and we help for an hour a week or maybe two hours a week when Adventure Club is going. But you are the ones that are the life raft to your children. And here's what I want to say to you today, that what you model as priority in your life, your children are going to pick up and are going to carry as that same priority. So Jesus wants you to prioritize a relationship with him, this close fellowship that Noah had. And he wants you to teach your children how to be in that close relationship with Christ. They need to see you modeling that in your home. They need to see you reading your word. They need to see you on your knees praying or out for a walk praying. They need to see you modeling that for them so that that can become a priority in their life. And then you need to pull them together in a holy huddle Like in the NFL, you know, grown men holding hands. I've never really understood that in the huddle, you know. But you need to do that. You need to gather them in a holy huddle in your home daily and have family prayer and have a reading of the Word. Use a children's Bible so that they can understand it and enter into it. But provide that holy huddle where your children can understand there's a priority here. We don't call the plays of our life without a huddle. And so we huddle together and we pray through and we work through all the things that God wants us to do as a family. Parents, that's up to you. What you model, your kids will carry on in their life. You know, they'll they'll learn how much Jesus has priority in your life. Or they'll learn how much the church, the family of God has priority in your life. You will teach them that. They'll pick it up by osmosis. They'll learn that from you. So you've got to give them the right life raft. For Noah, building an ark was not easy. He had to stand against the culture. Everybody called him crazy. And you're building an ark for your children and for your community. And that's not easy either. The culture is coming against us in this endeavor to keep our raft afloat. And you've got to stand firm against the culture and stand firm on God's word 
and don't stray from his word, even under intense pressure that the culture is going to give you in every area of life. It's not easy making Jesus a priority every day. It's not easy keeping the church a priority in your life. But that is what God wants you to do. Be all in. Be all in for Jesus. Deuteronomy 6 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands, which boil down to love God and love others today, right? That's the great commandment. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Commit, repeat, talk, tie, and write. This is what it means to be all in. Nothing's changed about God's perspective. Nothing's changed about what God wants from us. God wants our whole heart. I'm not talking about law here. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about a close fellowship with your Savior that involves the Word of God and allows your children to enter in. I believe this should be the norm in our homes. Our kids should see us loving Jesus, reading the Word, praying, a vibrant life of obedience, living in step with the living God, spending time with Him, asking God, what is my ark? How can I help save my community? How can I be a better life raft for my family? So God, what are you calling me out of? And God, what are you calling me into? Let's stand together. Let's pray this morning as the worship team comes. You know, maybe this morning you're here and you're like, well, that's exactly why I don't want to be in close fellowship with God. I don't want to be called out and into anything. But I just want to say to you again today that it's the best way to live. It's the best way to live. If you ever see Jake on the street, pull him over. He'd be happy to talk with you and ask him about it. Jake, what was it like to leave leave the, the, the job that everybody envies, that everybody wants? You know, this job in the spotlight, in the limelight, millions of dollars. What was it like? How do you feel about that today? Ask him. And I tell you today that that when you're in close fellowship with God and, and you allow him to call you out and call you into, that God brings the reward. And like elevating Christ, he elevates you to this place of really knowing that you're used in his hand. He's using you well. And so let's pray about that this morning. I, I just really, my desire is that every one of us receives the value that Jesus wants us to receive by partnering with him in this community today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word says that you love obedience. And in fact, that's your love language. And for you to feel loved by us, it means that we obey your word, but also we obey when you speak to us today. And we, you know, we leave some of the things that we have made into idols and we move into things that you've called us to and lord we want to be available for that god we want to be available to be used by you and and we're not sure how that looks in our life 
So, Lord, help us to be close enough to you to hear you. And, God, help us to respond in obedience when we think we've heard you. And just step out onto that water where we could sink. And to have the faith that you've called us to something higher and something better than maybe the way that we've lived before. So, Lord, we want to be open to that. And, and God, each of us are different, different gifts, different talents, different personalities. Help us to hear what it is that you have handcrafted for us. Because your word says that you've prepared in advance the good works that you want us to do. So, Lord, we want to do those good works. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. We're going to give our tithes and offerings this morning as we worship. So just sing as you do that and give with joy this morning.